This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target and destroy cancer-causing proteins right inside the cell. It's how Dana-Farber is working to treat previously untreatable cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about another podcast from our promotional partners at CBC. The 1950s and 1960s saw a wave of radical movements. Recall How to Start a Revolution explores the rise and fall of the FLQ in Quebec and Canada, a showdown that dissolved into crisis. By October 1970, there were soldiers in the streets, kidnapping, and terror in the headlines. Listen to the stories of that time through the people who lived it. The bomb disposal expert, the survivors, their families, and the radicals themselves. You can listen to Recall on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. The president is again contradicting some of his own top health officials about the timing of a vaccine and the effectiveness of masks. Yesterday, as we said, CDC Director Robert Redfield gave a toll, rather, a Senate committee that he believed a vaccine would not be widely available to most Americans before the middle of next year. People at higher risk or medical workers or first responders are likely to get it sooner. But he said greater mask use was the most essential way to protect Americans. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine because the immunogenicity may be 70%. And if I don't get an immune response, the vaccine's not going to protect me. This face mask will. Hours later, the president rejected what Redfield and other scientists have said. He insisted that 100 million doses of vaccines would be widely distributed before the end of this year. But today, the head of Moderna, which is a vaccine manufacturer, said that his company would likely not distribute its vaccine widely before next summer. President Trump also downplayed the use of masks once again and disputed Redfield. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. I mean, I think there's a lot of problems with masks. No, vaccine is much more effective than the masks. But no, the mask is not as important as the vaccine. The the mask perhaps helps. All of this comes as the CDC announced that it expects to distribute vaccines to the public at no out-of-pocket cost to the patient. But there are significant questions and criticisms about what the government's doing to pay for vaccines with taxpayer money and whether companies should be able to profit from it. Economics correspondent Paul Salman dives into the part of the story for our series, Making Sense. A newsreel from 1955 on the polio vaccine. An historic victory over a dread disease. The vaccine's inventor, Dr. Jonas Salk, literally gave it away. Who owns the patent on this vaccine? The people, I I would say. There is no patent. This is... Could you patent the sun? (laughs) Pandemia is a crisis. 65 years later, Pope Francis thinks the COVID-19 vaccine should follow the polio precedent. It would be a scandal if our economic system, supported by public funds, contributes only to companies instead of the common good. No question public funds are driving the huge COVID vaccine effort. It's called Operation Warp Speed. That means big and it means fast. 
But looming over Operation Warp Speed is a huge question. How much is the public, through the government, paying private companies? There is no reason that private pharmaceutical companies should be profiteering off of a pandemic. Osoreme Okolo is the chief health policy aide for Illinois Democrat Jan Schakowsky. Yes or no? Will you sell your vaccine at cost so that we can verify you aren't making a profit? Merck's vaccine has received $38 million in government funding. Julie Gerberding is executive vice president. No, we will not be selling vaccine at cost, although it's very premature for us since we're a long way from really understanding the cost basis of what will end up. So, Dr. Hogue, yes or no? Stephen Hogue is president of Moderna which by some measures has gotten nearly $1.5 billion in federal funding, all the money it's put into the vaccine, and will get another billion and a half if it succeeds. We will not sell it at cost, no ma'am. Which is why health policy wonks like Ocolo are up in arms. There should be no reason that pharma companies should be having exclusive licenses to charge whatever they want, to control distribution of these drugs, to control the price and access not only in the United States, but across the world charge whatever they want to a U.S. government desperate for a vaccine, any vaccine, running a tab that we taxpayers will ultimately pick up. I have an incurable blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Longtime public health advocate David Mitchell is founder of Patients for Affordable Drugs. My doctors have me on a four-drug combination that carries a list price of $900,000 a year. So... I care deeply about vaccines that will be affordable because if you have a blood cancer and if you're taking chemotherapy, both of which I am, then the risk of a very bad outcome from COVID-19 is high. So I want a vaccine real bad. But if it's a vaccine we already subsidized, is the government, and therefore we taxpayers, really going to have to pay again? The White House says that we've pumped $12 billion to these drug companies for Operation Warp Speed. We are effectively underwriting R&D, clinical trials, standing up production capability, and even producing, paying to produce the drugs. Just consider Moderna's contract, $3 billion to immunize 50 million Americans. Not to personalize this too much, but I have paid $10 for every member of my family already to develop the Moderna vaccine, and so has every other American, right? That's correct, but only about one in six Americans would get those initial doses. Peter Maybarduk of the Ralph Nader nonprofit Public Citizen. How much is it going to cost for every American to get immunized? It'd be about $10 billion total U.S. government investment. The U.S. government has options to purchase uh, hundreds of millions of more doses from Moderna, up to 250 million people. So that's something like $40 from the U.S. government to Moderna for every American who gets immunized. Doesn't sound so bad. But that's not really the point here. The U.S. government appears to co-own this vaccine. It can insist on reasonable pricing and conditions. And if you look at comparable vaccines, AstraZeneca will charge no more than $8 per person. The price really could be quite a bit lower. But who knows for how long these prices will hold when the pandemic ends? And we might still need an annual COVID shot that we might have to pay for out of pocket. We are really over a barrel if these kind of guarantees aren't written into the initial contracts. And that's the simple question, says health journalist Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Why are we paying for something that the government itself largely developed? 
government institutions created the platforms for many of these new, really innovative vaccines. And we are now paying through BARDA, through the uh, Defense Department program, to ramp up production, manufacturing, distribution. So haven't we paid already? And as a result, in the case of Moderna, enriching its private investors by public investment that has literally tripled the company's stock value? Okay, sure, drug companies will profit, but, and this is where the argument changes direction, why is that a problem? You want vaccines to be somewhat profitable because you want manufacturers to be incented to make them. Stock analyst Evan Siegerman puts the time-honored case for profits succinctly. But it is important that they are allowed to make some sort of a profit so that they will continue to invest in research and development, in manufacturing, and of course, distribution. We can treat viruses, the scourge of humanity. Look, the stakes are life and death, says Adam Mossoff, a free market enthusiast at George Mason University. The companies need profits, he says. If they're going to continue doing more R&D into new drugs and new uh, medical treatments that have made modern life a veritable miracle by any historical standards. I mean, what were just death sentences 10, 20 years ago, cancer, diabetes, hepatitis, are now manageable day-to-day -day conditions thanks to the types of investments and the thousands, millions of labor hours put in by researchers and scientists in the biopharmaceutical industry. But our skeptics don't buy the profit motive story. Some of the money we spend is plowed back into development, and that's hugely useful. But also, we should look at what pharmaceutical companies are spending for marketing, for promotion. Oh! Oh! Which, for the 10 largest U.S.-based prescription drug companies, is actually almost as much as R&D spending. Add in profits, and it's far more. I joke that it used to be that a, you know, a Nobel Prize was motivation enough, but all of our drug makers are now publicly traded, mostly, or privately owned for-profit companies. So that's where we are. But to health economist Catherine Baker, where we are with regard to COVID vaccine pricing is okay, even with the huge government subsidies, at least for now. I don't think we can count on the government to be responsible for all of the refinement that we need for all medicines because it just requires a lot of ingenuity and the incentives that we have in the private market are what drives a lot of innovation. And invites a lot of competition. You want people to be encouraged to make vaccines. If you have more than one manufacturer, the price is likely to go down. Remember, says Baker. These vaccines are worth trillions of dollars to the world. There's so much value to be created that there's room for there to be economic gain to the people who invested in the medicine, whether that's private sector or public, as well as much greater benefits to the public in the form of improved health and resumed economic activity. As long as people take it and it doesn't become prohibitively expensive down the line. For the PBS NewsHour, Paul Salman.